Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA Podcast. This is Sean Van Buren here for Episode 5. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. The podcast website is hosted on Podbean at the Homestyle MMA Podcast.podbean.com. Go there for additional information and all of the available listening locations for the podcast. Today we'll be talking about the UFC Fight Night Ortega versus Rodriguez fight card. The main event winner had the potential to get a title shot next in the featherweight division or to fight Josh. Emmett for the next title shot. The loser was going to see a drop out of the top five in the division, most likely. This card was also shown on ABC, as well as ESPN+, and the UFC typically tries to line up explosive matchups whenever possible when they are fighting on ABC, because they are trying to gain additional fans and create some additional excitement in the sport. This event succeeded in that goal, and it was fireworks from the start. Unfortunately for all of us, the night ended underwhelmingly, and we'll be touching on that when we discuss our main event fight. The prelims started at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time, with the main card following at 2 p.m. Eastern on July 16th, 2022. The main card was also shown on ABC. And with that, let's dive into the prelims. The prelims started off with Jessica Penne versus Emily Ducote. Jessica Penne led the dance in round one, but Emily did a great job landing clean counter strikes. Jessica tried to work wrestling and clinch in with her striking early. You could tell that was kind of the game plan. Work those strikes, work on wrestling and clinch to try to keep Emily Ducote, who was making her UFC debut, wondering about what is coming next. But Ducote was very wise to her shots and stopped them very easily. Most of the takedown attempts were coming from a bit too far out, and Emily could easily see them coming. Emily Ducote had effective boxing boxing and landed very clean punches to the body and to the head of Jessica Penne. She also was able to effectively mix in lower leg kicks that really started to bother Jessica Penne and it became very visible as the fight went on, particularly in round three. Jessica was doing a poor job of checking the kicks throughout the whole fight and by the third round, Jessica Penne could barely stand. The counter punching and leg kicks of Emily Ducati won her the fight and our first bet of the night as she was clearly the faster fighter in this matchup. Next up was Dwight Grant versus Dustin Stoltzfus. Dwight Grant settled into his striking first and was by far the more active fighter to start the fight. He was bouncing around, circling on his feet. He had excellent movement early on in this fight. Dwight Grant looked like the faster striker in the first round and likely won that very close round. The best activity from Stoltzfus early on was the leg kicks, but I think most of them actually missed or were checked. The ones that landed were heavy. When he would throw that leg kick, he threw it with dangerous intent, but Dustin's shots were were mostly large looping shots, whether kicks or strikes. Dustin Stoltzfus started to land more efficiently in round two, and he started to push the pace against Dwight Grant. Stoltzfus worked hard against the cage to get a takedown in round two, and the fight was where he wanted it to be from that point on. I told you last week that I thought he would get a takedown against Grant, and he easily won round two. I think Dwight had the speed advantage throughout the fight, but Stoltzfus had the power advantage. So while Dwight might have had a a little bit more of the quick activity shots that would hit. They didn't quite do as much damage as when Dustin Stoltzfus would land one of his shots as well. Stoltzfus got the takedown again in round three and easily got the decision win, grinding it out, and earned himself a victory. Our next fight was Dustin Jacoby versus Daun Jong. These two fighters had not lost in the UFC yet, and this fight delivered. This was an excellent win for Dustin Jacoby. Both fighters fluidly worked their punches and kicks early on in this fight, 
and Jacoby really worked in a lot of those kicks. Dustin Jacoby was a high-level kickboxer prior to joining the UFC, and he put that skill on display with a TKO victory against Da Eun Jung. Jacoby dropped him early in the fight with a powerful and fast straight right hand that split Da Eun Jung's guard, and that was a statement win for him, and he took the momentum that was building behind Da Eun Jung in a walk-off win. I think he probably should have jumped on Da Eun Jung when he initially landed that punch and dropped him to really put the exclamation point on the fight, but the ref jumped in and stopped the fight anyways, so Dustin Jacoby earned himself a nice walk-off TKO victory. Bill Algio versus Herbert Burns was really kind of a letdown fight for me. I really thought that Herbert Burns would show his best self in this fight. I did not give Bill Algio enough respect in this fight either. Herbert Burns shot in very quickly in the first round for a takedown and got a triangle locked in very early in this fight. It looked like Herbert Burns was going to get the first round submission victory and he put a lot of energy into that submission. Bill snuck out of that submission, but Burns was constantly working on finishes. He was going submission after submission, working on finishes, pulling some very hard squeezes with his legs, and you could see as we started to enter the second round that he was really getting fatigued. Bill Algio earned my respect by escaping the submissions and worked himself into top position. It was a very impressive fight for Algio as he fought the fight in Herbert Burns's comfort area. Herbert wanted the fight on the ground and he was willing to play that game with Herbert Burns on the ground, constantly escaping, constantly making Herbert Burns work. Bill Algio landed some big ground and pound and maybe ended up winning 10-8 in the first with a lot of significant strikes from a dominant position on top. Bill worn out Herbert Herbert Burns in the first round as Burns was throwing up these submissions from the bottom, and Burns did not want to be in there anymore. When the second round started, they went at it again. Bill Algio was wearing into Herbert Burns, and Burns eventually decided to not get up off the ground in the second round for the TKO loss. Burns did try to get a hail, some Hail Mary submissions in that second round. You could tell he was tired. He was just trying to get the fight to the ground, trying to find a way to end it because he simply could not go on. Bill Algio demonstrated excellent showmanship for the crowd with his confident win, and Herbert Burns loses, and our homestyle perfect plate parlay was officially busted. Ricky Simone versus versus Jack Shore was a phenomenal fight. I told you guys about this fight last week, and I hyped it up as a potential fight of the night. It was exciting while it lasted, and it really was a great fight. Ricky Simone landed some strong punches, and then he'd slip under the counter strike from Jack Shore and get himself a takedown. Jack Shore worked himself back to his feet quickly, and they gauged in the clinch. These were very evenly matched fighters. They kind of went back and forth with the momentum. One guy would do something to earn himself a positive position. The other guy would defend it appropriately and kind of bring it back to neutral, and then they would take turns going back and forth. Both men struck fairly evenly as well in the first round, but Ricky Simone got the takedown in some good clinch control time to win round one. Jack Shore looked sharp in round two with his striking. He mixed in a single leg takedown with his striking, but Ricky Simone's takedown defense was excellent. Ricky Simone then got a power slam takedown in the second round, where he lifted Jack Shore off the ground, carried him around the octagon to his corner, and threw him down. Ricky landed a counterpunch that dropped Jack in the second round, and Ricky jumped on the arm triangle finish. The momentum really seemed to shift once Ricky Simone got that power slam takedown. He looked very impressive with his submission against the previously undefeated Jack Shore. A lot of people thought Jack Shore should have been a much higher ranked fighter because he was undefeated, he just did not fight very frequently. This win should move Ricky Simone into the top 10 and earn him a fight, hopefully with another top 10 fighter, and hopefully putting him on the main card in a good slot for 
his next matchup, as he does deliver very exciting fights. The prelim fights wrapped up with Punahel Soriano versus Dalcha Lungiambula. These fighters felt themselves out a bit to start the fight. It was a little bit slow. Soriano shot a takedown with no real setup, which Dalcha was able to stuff pretty easily. But then we quickly saw that maybe Punahel Soriano didn't intend to actually get that takedown all the way to the ground. He just wanted to put it into Dalcha's mind. We saw pretty quickly that Punahel took that shot to just set up takedown feints that he then started to use to set up his striking. It was a very good strategy early on. Dolce was throwing with power. He tripped up Soriano with a leg kick and jumped into a north-south position on the ground. This is not necessarily while Dolce wanted the fight to take place, so Soriano quickly worked his way back up to his feet, and Dolce went back to landing some decent shots on the feet against Soriano in the first. It was a pretty even first round. Both fighters got a little wild. Dolce landed a late takedown by ducking under a looping hook by Soriano. So again, very even first round, kind of back and forth. Both fighters had their moments, but I do think that Dolce actually won the first round. When we came out for the second, Punahel Soriano left no doubt who was going to win this fight. He got himself back into the wind column and connected a strong left hook right on Dolce's chin just under the ear and jumped on him for the TKO victory. The prelim fights closed with a bang and the prelim finishes set up a great night of remaining fights on the main card. And with that, let's go ahead and take a look at the main card. The main card kept the excitement moving forward with this UFC fight night with Lauren Murphy versus Misha Tate. And this fight really did not go how I expected and how I told you it would go last week. Murphy had the right game plan by constantly pressuring Misha Tate. It is much harder for Misha to get a takedown when she's backing up. And Murphy was so sharp on the feet early with her kickboxing, specifically landing the jab very well. She was striking very efficiently and she kept Misha Tate backing up in this fight. So Misha had a very hard time working towards her game plan of getting the takedown and getting the fight to the mat. Lauren Murphy would also offer up some faint uppercuts to offer something for Misha to think about if she did go for that takedown. Lauren Murphy threatened takedowns once she got Misha Tate's timing. She does use wrestling in the past to get some victories, but I thought Misha Tate would have the wrestling advantage. Lauren ducked under her right hand and shot for a double leg. Both women battled for wrestling control and takedowns throughout this fight, but only Lauren Murphy was able to get and finish the takedowns. Lauren Murphy also had more impactful shots on the feet and got her an undeniable unanimous decision win, severely setting back Misha Tate's hopes for a flyweight title shot in the near future. The homestyle perfect plate parlay had been busted for the second time tonight. Shane Burgos versus Charles Jourdain delivered like we could have only hoped and imagined. I told you guys last week, all I really wanted from this fight was a three-round war, and that is exactly what we got as fight fans. Both of these warriors had their stocks rise, even though only Shane Burgos had his hand raised at the end of the fight. Charles Jourdain is still very much the real deal, even with this loss, and this fight was exciting right from the start, as both fighters threw heavy leg kicks to start the fight off. Charles Jourdain kept going high with the leg kick as well, so he was constantly threatening with the head kick. Shane Burgos almost locked in a rear naked choke to finish the first and second rounds, and the first round was all action. Shane took the fight as he flowed with Charles Jourdain on the ground, was able to maintain control, maintain top position, constantly threaten submissions, and Charles looked good on the feet. Shane Burgos climbed Charles Jourdain's back with great athleticism in the second and constantly threatened those strikes and submissions. So we entered round three, and I thought that Shane Burgos had earned a victory likely 10-9 in each of those two rounds. Entering round three, 
Charles Jourdain fought like a man who knew he was down two rounds. He brought the heat in round three. Shane Burgos was a little worn down with all of the grappling and submissions from the first two rounds, and Charles Jourdain started to tee off with his striking in the third as he went for a finish, likely the only way that he could get a win. The barrage of punches that Charles Jourdain threw was never-ending from the start to the end of the third round. Even with the length disadvantage that Charles Jourdain faced, he was able to stay in striking distance throughout the fight. These fighters put on a show for the fans, and they both looked fast and powerful. The scrambles were always exciting, and this was a fight to go back and watch if you missed it. Both fighters threw a ton of volume with their strikes in this three-round war, but Shane Burgos got the win at the end of the three rounds with one judge giving a 10-8 to Charles Jourdain in that third round due to his incredible effort. Expect both of these fighters to find their way into the elite ranks of the featherweight division before their careers are over. They put up an absolutely excellent fight for the fans, and Shane Burgos got the win, likely set himself up for a top 10 ranked matchup in his next fight. Matt Schnell versus Sumadarji was a roller coaster to watch. With the conventional Matt Schnell fighting the Southpaw Sumadarji, they both threw a lot of leg kicks early on in this fight. Matt Schnell put the pace on Sumadarji and got him going backwards. By getting Sumadarji backwards, he was able to go for a takedown fairly easily and land it. He immediately went to work with his jujitsu. As I told you guys last week, Matt Schnell won. Wanted this fight on the ground to work his strength and Sumodarji's weakness, which was jujitsu. Sumodarji wanted to keep this fight on the feet to work his strength and work maybe a slight weakness of Matt Schnell, which was the striking. It was an absolutely excellent game plan for Matt Schnell. He got the fight where he wanted it to go and he went to work right away. What I said to you last week also was that these fighters were finishers, and I said that whichever fighter was able to apply their game plan would get the finish win in this fight. Sumadarji looked very sharp on the feet in the second round, and he wobbled Matt Schnell a few times. He even got a knockdown with a huge straight left later in the round, knocked him down again with a short right elbow. Schnell looked absolutely finished in the second round, kind of hanging on for dear life, and then he snapped Sumadarji's head back with a straight right hand, ducked under the counter strike, and got the takedown straight into mount and rained heavy elbows down on Sumadarji. So this was an immediate shift in the momentum. Sumadarji looked like he was working towards a finish on Matt Schnell, picking him apart, landing elbows, getting him in tight, landing all kinds of punches. Then Matt Schnell slips one, gets the takedown, back on the ground he goes to work. Matt Schnell had full control of the fight on the ground, and Sumidarji needs to take some time off and really work on his ground game because it has just been exposed as a weakness for him. He lost via submission via a beautiful triangle choke, and he is now 1-5 in his fights by submission. This incredible rebound and finish by Matt Schnell was set up by his ground and pound, and he put Sumidarji in a beautiful triangle choke to get this win. Had you on the edge of your seat as it went back and forth, each fighter right on the edge of finishing the fight, but ultimately... Matt Schnell gets his hand raised. Incredible fight. The Leech Li Zhang versus Muslim Salikov. This was a pretty interesting fight, very similar to the previous fight. I said Salikov needed to wrestle, and he did get a power slam takedown in the first round, but I thought that he would be wrestling a lot very early on. They were pretty even on the feet early, so I think Salikov was having a pretty good fight, working himself towards a win. I did think that he would go for those multiple takedown attempts in the first round, but he only went for and landed one. It was a power slam, and I thought he got it fairly easily. Salikov 
seemed to have the path to victory by using his wrestling, he should have utilized the takedown more because Zhang Liang was not biting on his takedown feints. So he was not threatening Li enough for Li to be reacting to potential takedowns coming his way. Selikov was having some success on the feet, and I think he ultimately became content with a striking battle with Zhang Liang. That's a dangerous game to play with a guy who has the leech's power. The leech, Zhang Liang, kept his head moving well in the second round. He started working hard shots to the body of Salikov, and that is what ultimately got him this win. You would not know that looking at the finishing sequence, but he started to work the body very well in the second round, really trying to do step jabs, really trying to rip to the body, and we started to just a little bit see Salikov's hands dropping to try to block some of those body shots. Zhang Liang counterpunched a straight right hand that landed flush on Salikov's chin to wobble him, and the leech then went head hunting. Once Salikov was wobbly on his feet, Salikov was shooting desperate takedown attempts in an attempt to recover from the shot, and the leech was able to stuff them because they were coming from far away and the takedowns were not being set up. Salikov was strictly in survival mode. While in survival mode, Zhang Liang was able to land a straight right hand after a jab that dropped Salikov, and he got the TKO victory. The leech, Zhang Liang, demonstrated excellent striking in the second round as he was slipping and ripping clean shots, really working the body well, and then moving upstairs to headhunt once he started to get Muslim Salikov thinking about those body shots. Great fight for Zhang Liang, and another great fight on this main card. Next up on our main card was Michelle Watterson versus Amanda Lemos. This was a pretty big fight with pretty significant implications as Amanda Lemos was number 11 ranked and Watterson was number 10 ranked. This fight was not what I expected. Both women are very good strikers. Michelle Watterson does have that karate background, but I thought that Michelle Watterson had a significant advantage on the mats with her wrestling. Lemos is an extremely sharp striker, so I thought that Michelle Watterson would try to get the fight to the ground early, as that seemed to be her easiest path to victory. She did land one takedown late in the first, but watching the rest of that round, I didn't feel like she was able to threaten much from that position. Some people gave that first round to Michelle Watterson because of that takedown. I actually scored it for Amanda Lamosh because I thought Amanda scored more on the feet and not much happened during that late round takedown. Lamosh definitely had the speed and power advantage on the feet and she saw all of Watterson's shots coming. She was able to move just out of range and return counter-strikes with the intent to do vicious damage. Amanda was throwing fast and she was throwing hard. Amanda Lamosh had Watterson reacting to all of her feints and towards the end of the first round, it was very close. But like I said, I did give it to Amanda Lamos because while Watterson had a late round takedown, there was really no impact from the takedown on that round. In the second round, Watterson shot for a takedown again, but Amanda Lamos stuffed it as they went to the ground and immediately jumped guillotine. It was a very deep guillotine and she started to work towards getting on top with the guillotine and that is when Watterson tapped. Watching this fight in real time, I actually didn't notice the tap. We had a bad camera angle as fans, but watching the replay, you could clearly see the tap and Amanda Lemos won via submission, which was not at all what I would have expected from these two fighters, especially with Michelle Watterson seemingly being better on the ground and Amanda Lemos being better on the feet. I did not expect to see Lemos get a win by guillotine submission. Amanda Lemos has set herself up for a fight probably in the top five rankings in the division and is now going to work herself towards a title shot. That wraps up our main card, but let's go ahead and dive into the main event.
Main event, Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. Man, guys, this was such a bummer. The fight card had been going so well. There had been so many finishes, and this fight was the biggest letdown of the night. Brian Ortega and Yair Rodriguez came out swinging right away in this one. It looked like we were due for a fantastic banger where the fight would not go the distance. It was actually a pretty evenly matched fight on the feet. I thought that Yair Rodriguez would have a pretty substantial advantage on the feet. We weren't quite sure how much Brian Ortega had developed that striking, but... We also knew that Brian Ortega would clearly have the advantage on the ground. Ortega did work for a takedown in this fight, but Jair had pretty good takedown defense. The problem was the takedown defense just got him into getting controlled on the cage. Brian got him pressed up against the cage and was in complete control against Jair Rodriguez. He was able to land more significant shots while in the clinch, and Brian Ortega seemed to be in control of this fight. Later in that round, Ortega got another takedown, and the fight just absolutely fell apart. Brian Ortega's shoulder dislocated while he was pulling his arm out of an armbar attempt by Yair Rodriguez, which was very unexpected as Rodriguez is a striker and we really didn't expect him to want to try to do jiu-jitsu with Brian Ortega, who's one of the better jiu-jitsu specialists in that division. But while pulling his shoulder out, Brian Ortega dislocated his arm and the fight was over. Incredibly underwhelming ending to a fight card that had been going so well. There have been so many finishes, so many comeback fights, so many excellent fights to remember member and then we had this fight which was one to forget congrats on the win to Yair Rodriguez I do think that a win against Brian Ortega is great but he did it in an unfortunately underwhelming fashion and I'm not sure that the ending will be enough for the UFC to put him into a title fight which is really what he wanted to have happen after reviewing this fight card let's go ahead and take a look at how our bets did We had another tough night gambling with UFC Fight Night Ortega versus Rodriguez. We did okay. We hit an underdog in the prelims, but the main card was really kind of a struggle for us. We will quickly run through these bets, and as always, please remember to bet responsibly and within your means. If you have a gambling problem, please call your state's hotline. First fight, Jessica Penne versus Emily Ducote. We had Emily by Moneyline, minus 145 for the win. Dwight Grant versus Dustin Stoltzfus. We went with Stoltzfus Moneyline, plus one. 20 and we did get that underdog win we thought we were in store for a good night with two straight wins but the fight card did not really go our way for the rest of the night Dustin Jacoby versus Da Eun Jung we went with the underdog Da Eun Jung which was a loss Da Eun Jung actually lost via TKO Bill Algio versus Herbert Burns we went with at the time I had Herbert Burns as an underdog at plus 158 he ended up losing via TKO this one hurt pretty bad because I thought that Herbert Burns was going to get this win fairly easily, and he did threaten with a lot of submission potential to win the fight, but ultimately he lost in kind of an unfortunate fashion where he just didn't get back up from the mat. Ricky Simone versus Jack Shore. Went with Jack Shore, Moneyline minus 165. I thought that the undefeated fighter would be able to get this one done, but he lost by submission to Ricky Simone. Punahel Soriano versus Dolce Lungiambula. Went with Punahel Soriano a money line minus 240. We did get the win here, but we had to get money line at the time. That set us up into our main card bets. We had Lauren Murphy versus Misha Tate. 
We went with Misha Tate, minus 210. This was a loss via decision. Very impressive win for Lauren Murphy as a pretty large underdog. She beat Misha Tate in the wrestling, which is where I thought Misha Tate would have a significant advantage. So excellent win for Lauren Murphy. Shane Burgos versus Charles Jourdain. This was by far the fight of the night. We went with Shane Burgos, money line minus 165 for the win. Matt Schnell versus Sumadarji. This was a back and forth fight where we had no idea who was going to win, but we knew that there would certainly be a finish. We got the loss as we took Sumadarji money line minus 275, but I did tell you if you had the opportunity, grab this fight to not go the distance, so hopefully you did and you were able to get some money on this one. Lee Jiang Lang the Leech versus Muslim Salikov. We lost via TKO because we took Muslim Salikov money line minus 175. This bet was looking good by the end of the first round, but unfortunately it fell apart. Michelle Waterson versus Amanda Lemos. We got the win with Amanda Lemos money line minus 350, so not a whole lot of profit there at minus 350. And then we ended our night with Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. We had Brian Ortega minus 165, which was a loss via that very strange shoulder dislocation while escaping an armbar that really wasn't fully set. So very strange ending to the night, but ultimately it left us with a bad night of betting. Those will happen from time to time. We'll look to rebound next week. But after this fight night, we were down 3.79 units. Taking a look at our verdict scorecards, unfortunately, I did not get my verdict picks in to social media in time for this fight. I did get them into the app in time, but you didn't miss much. We had a tough main card of bets and therefore a tough night on verdict. I did not score any trophies this week, and we will look to bounce back next week. The Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay, Herbert Burns, Misha Tate, and Amanda Lamos plus 395. It looked beautiful on paper, but it busted twice with Herbert Burns losing and Misha Tate. Very unfortunate for the Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay. It is now down two units on the podcast, and we will look to bounce back with that next week. Let's go ahead and shift gears and take a look at our Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards. For the Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards this week, we don't have a Smooth Buttery Biscuits Early Prelim Performance of the Night Award because there were no early prelims. So let's dive into the Mac and Cheese Prelims Performance of the Night. We are giving that to Ricky Simone with his impressive fight against the previously undefeated Jack Shore. He had a great fight in the prelims, and honestly, picking the prelims award was much harder than picking the main event award because there were so many fantastic finishes, but I felt like he was never in danger during his fight compared to some of the other fighters, and he had an excellent win via submission. For the Chicken and Dumplings main card performance of the night, we are going with Amanda Lemos. While this was also a tough pick, I felt that she had the most dominant main card fight. She was never really threatened to lose via finish versus some of these other fighters where that might have had a very impressive fight by the end of the fight with getting the finish. They were at risk many times during their battles. So we went with Amanda Lemos. Let's wrap up this podcast and provide our final thoughts. (music) 
This fight card was excellent right from the prelims. There were many finishes, many fighters that had to come back from the brink of defeat to capture a victory. The energy could be felt in the crowd as they kept watching great fight after great fight that kept them on the edge of their seats. The night ended awkwardly with Ortega's shoulder dislocating. Unfortunately for Yair Rodriguez, I don't think that he won dominantly enough for the UFC to give him that title shot. He did claim prior to the fight that he was told he would get the title shot with a win, but since it was an underwhelming victory, I do think that the UFC will match him up against Josh Emmett in a title eliminator fight to fight the recovering Alexander Volkanovsky featherweight champion. The loser of that fight may go up against Ortega next, since I think you could rematch this main event fight due to the circumstances of how it ended, or you could set up Ortega versus Josh Emmett if Emmett were to lose against Yair Rodriguez. Thank you for joining me for episode 5 of the Homestyle MMA podcast, recapping UFC Fight Night Ortega versus Rodriguez. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. On Thursday, we will be previewing UFC Fight Night Blades versus Aspinall, which will be taking place in London. Should be an excellent card top to bottom, a lot of exciting fights, and a lot of potential big matchups coming to the winners of the fights on that card. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out the Homestyle MMA Podcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. I will continue to grow content on social media as we get further into this podcasting journey. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Next week, we have the big matchup in the heavyweights. Till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Have a good one.